I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How do you know if you really love someone? It bugs me when people say, you'll just know as if, I don't know, everyone experiences love so clearly with a bunch of birds flying a circle uh, above their head. Many people have written in asking that big question, how do I know if I love someone? And today I'm going to talk about what the research says, my top three ways to know if you're really in love with someone, and what I think about soulmates. It's probably not what you think, so stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Well, hi. I'm your host, Dr. Abby Metcalf. You already know that. That's why you're here. So happy you're with me. Um, I can't believe it. As I'm recording this, we're getting close. This is episode 194. I'm getting close to 200 episodes of talking to you and being with you. And I, you know me, I'll start crying if I talk about it. So it feels really good. If I don't say it enough, I'm super grateful that you're here with me. and that we're learning together because, you know, every time someone writes in, and today was a question from a reader that I'm going to all read, I'll tell you about. Uh, and a lot of you have written in asking about this question, actually, but I'm just using this particular one because she said it really well. Um, you know, 
so when you write in like that, I learn because I go then research. I'm like, oh, what do I think about being in love? You know, in this case, what 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 are my thoughts? You know, and I write down all my thoughts about it. Then I'm like, what does the research say? You know, you know me, and I go research it and I look at all the again evidence-based articles about it that I think are. And um, and then I kind of bring that all together into, you know, with all my experience, I got a lot of experience now with people and the things I believe and I put it all together and I come up with a podcast. So, and I love, clearly I love researching and reading. So you're always helping me um, get excited about a topic and learn more and I just, you know, that to me is life. Success in life is growth and joy. And I get both of those from this podcast every time. So thank you for being here. All right. So this question came in and I'm going to call her Marcella because I like to come up with fun names. Uh, So obviously the name has been changed as always. And here's what she says. She says, hi, Abby. And and at first she said all kinds of nice things about me in the podcast, but I'll, I'll leave those out right now. And she says, I wanted to submit a question for an Ask Dr. Abby episode. How do you know if you love someone? A little context, I never had a serious relationship and I'm seeing a guy at the moment and I'm not sure if I love him or if I just want to be with him because I want a relationship or if I just want to be with him because I'm scared of being alone. Is this ringing a bell with anybody? Or if I'm tricking myself and I'm not sure, you know, that I really love him because of a fear of rejection. I mean, didn't she say this? You go, Marcella. She said it so well. I know this might be a very basic question, but not sure what to do about it. You know, thank you so much. So hello, a very basic question. It is, but it's the question of all questions, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's such a, it's such a big one. And she, again, I think she wrote that so well. So now I'm going to try to come in on all those little points she talked about. Um, how do you know if it's, you're just doing it because you're afraid? You know, really what she's talking about is how do I know I'm not just doing it because I'm afraid? So we're, we're going to go there too. Uh, but I'm going to start by just sort of clearing the definition lines, okay? Just getting clear on definitions. And I want to talk first about being in love versus being in lust. So, and that, because that's first, right? We got, we, I, and I'm just going to spend a minute on this. But if you're, you know, if you're trying to figure out if you really love someone, you need to make sure it's love, not lust. That's that's kind of the first thing. And lust and sex or, you know, that that way of being are on, that's a stage on the way to love, but the these are actually very different brain processes. And if you've been listening to me for any amount of time, you know I have a hard on for biological anthropologist, Helen Fisher, who's a senior research fellow at the Kinsey Institute. And she's been studying our brains in relation to sex, love, and relationships for, for decades now. And uh, and I will link to her, her TED Talk's amazing. I'll link to all that in the show notes, um, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. Just come and you'll land on the page. Uh, if you also look under uh, relationship tips and tools, that's where the blog is now. And you can find it there too. So you can get all the links and everything I'm saying in either of those places. So Fisher has identified three stages in relationships, and each has its own biochemicals and brain patterns. That's what's, again, that's why why I have a heart on for her. Uh, In other words, so, uh, so the brain of a person in lust looks different than the brain of a person in love. 
And so again, there's three different kind of brain systems as she sees it. And the those are number one, sex and lust. Number two, your feelings of attachment and trust. So you go through these stages, right? And then three is the actual being in love and romance. And that's how that all, and what we've seen over time when couples stay together a long time is that the love and romance, they comes in, in, in like develops and blooms in a whole different way. Because when you have all that trust and that time together and really feeling attached to this person, that's where that really comes from. It's not to say that you don't feel in love earlier, but it's really when it deepens. So and I did a whole, I've done two episodes on this. I'm going to link both in the show notes so you can learn all about that in detail, you know, uh, where she goes into what the biochemicals are and how the brain patterns work and all that. And I teach all that. So it's all there. Go learn if you want. But for now, I'm, I'm just going to have to assume that you know the difference between all the, <clears throat> what we call limerence. Uh, that you all those euphoric feelings of lust and new love and how that's different when you move into feelings of attachment and being in love. And that kind of more attached phase, you know, uh, well, that in love, that in lust phase really can, and is really all about you know, that strong physical heat, right? You could probably have intrusive thoughts. You know, you just can't stop daydreaming about the person, maybe feeling possessive, wanting to spend all your time together, getting jealous easily. Um, there's just a general sense of, of, Fisher talks about it like craving a person. She says it's actually like, you know, being in love or lust, those early stages is like an addiction, literally like an addiction. And it works on the brain in all the same ways. Scary. Again, I talk about that in the other podcasts. So, and that sex and lust or that newness, what we call like, oh, I'm so in love with this person, which is really the sex and lust phase. That stage of the relationship generally lasts, again, from the research, about three years maximum. Now, if you stay together after that, that's when you move into the attachment, the trust, and then again, eventually into that more deep romance love stage. If now what's interesting is that if you don't see each other regularly in that those first, you know, in these first years together, or if you're in a long distance relationship, that first new phase, the the lust, sex, um, obsessed with this person phase, usually lasts longer than three years. So right? I know it's kind of, it's really interesting. So again, if you're not sure if you're in love or lust, check out my previous episodes. But if you know you're not in the lust phase and you're wondering if what you're truly feeling now is truly love, then then this is where you want to be. And I will say that uh, um, when you're with someone in in a long distance relationship or something that it stretches out that three years max and you can go years and years. Um, it's interesting. And so that's why sometimes it's hard when, in, when a, a long distance relationship ends up living together and being together permanently, sometimes that can really have a very harsh like breaks, you know, like um, as all that's starting to change and they're moving into the next stage of the relationship. Okay. So now we can get to the real question here. How do I know if I love someone? And to get more specific, um, you know, as she, as Marcella, who I'm calling her, wrote in and asked, how do I know if I just want to be in a relationship and I'm afraid of being alone? How do I know if I'm tricking myself? All that. So that's really where the meat is. And 
before there's three things to look for. And just before I jump into those, I want to say a quick word about attachment styles because I did a whole episode on attachment styles. And again, I will link to that in the show notes. And I really can't impress enough upon you how important it is to listen to that one if you haven't yet. Uh, It's called How Attached Are You to Your Partner? You can also do a search on the website, you know, um, the search bar. But I have to tell you, because of the way that you attach to someone, if you're if you have an insecure attachment style, if you're anxiously attached to them, or if you're avoidantly attached, how you love, how you show love, and how you receive love is going to look different, you know, for you. So I want you to use that as one of your filters as I'm talking. So again, you know, when you're done here, go back and listen to that episode, and then you know, or maybe stop now and go listen and come back. However you want to do it, but uh, I do want you to have that in your head when you're thinking about how to know if you're in love. Okay. So, well, and I'll just, so if you're insecurely attached, you know, you might be just there out of fear and just nervous and anxious and and wanting the person don't want to be alone or whatever. And so obviously that's not healthy. Or if you're avoidantly attached, you might really not care and you might it's not true. You care. Sorry. You might not show you care as much. You might find it easier to move on quickly. And then you might be wondering, do I, am I in love or not? Like, how do I know? So that's all I'm saying. It's, it's good to have those things. Okay. So let's get to it. Here are the three things to look for, to, to know. Okay. So number one, and it's really what I've been talking about over and over. You're with them out of love, not fear. And this is really probably, I'm going to give you three, but it could just be one. This is the one. you, And you've got to be in a love relationship because of love. <laughs> no re- love relationship was ever made better by fear, ever, not once. So, and so how do you know, right? That's what she's asking. That's what you're listening to. That's what you want to know. And it's, it's actually simple. I'm not saying it's easy all the time, but it's relatively simple. You figure this out by working on your daily mindfulness. And do I have a, medita- a mindfulness starter kit for free on the website? Yes, I do. Will I have it linked here in the show notes? Yes, I will. <laughs> so I know, and I have so much information on mindfulness, so I'm not going to go there right now. But when you're mindful, you're going to be noticing your predominant emotions when you're thinking about this person or when you're physically around them. How do you feel when you think about them? Is it is it warm and gushy? Is it anxious and impatient, right? What is the feeling predominantly moment to moment when you're uh, with physically with the person or when they're away and you're thinking about the person. And if you're not mindful, you're not going to be able to identify that. So that's why I preach mindfulness and self-awareness all the friggin' time. <laughs> I never shut up about it. That's right. I never shut up about it because I can't, because it's important, because you have to know. And uh, I don't know what else to say. And I'm going to write down to make sure that uh, the mindful starter kit is linked. Okay. So, sorry, give me a moment here. All right. So think about it. So as you're going through your day, you know, they come home from work. How do you feel? Check in with yourself. You're sitting at dinner. How are you feeling? Are you resentful and annoyed most of the time? Are you worried and anxious most of the time? Are you just 
compassionate and loving and just adoring most of the time. You know, what, and again, we all have moments of frustration or resentment or whatever, but what is it mostly? What is it generally? If you were just to stop right now and go, think about your partner, what are the first feelings? Now, notice your thoughts because we feel the way we think. So do notice your thoughts, but really get in touch with what you're feeling. What is that? That let you know a lot if you're with this person out of love or fear. What also notice what language do you use? Either that could be in your head or that could be to others or to your partner. So it, it's what's in your internal dialogue and what's your external dialogue when it comes to your partner. Are you saying things like, well, I'm afraid that, I'm worried that, I'm anxious about, you know, all of these are warnings that your motivations are from fear, not love. And I want you to be with your partner because you're inspired to be with them. I say this a lot. I want you always to be with someone, to take action from inspiration, not negative motivation. So that's huge, right? So I want you to be thinking of that. And we'll go a little deeper into that in a little later as I wrap up, but into kind of the very specific questions to be asking yourself. But right now, just take that. You're in the same vein when we're talking about being in from a love part of your brain, not a fear part of your brain. You're also looking for someone to compliment you, not complete you. Yeah, I'm going to say that again. You're looking for someone to compliment you, not complete you. People don't complete you. You're not a half a person. There's not a better half out there. It's not a 50-50 arrangement. That's not how things work. <laughs> You're a whole. I love you. You're a hundred. You're, you're a whole, even those, you know, some of us are extra, we're still a hundred. So we, we don't need, you know, no one's filling in the blanks. That's not it. But for someone to compliment us is really nice. You know, my wonderful Gary has a lot of, um, we compliment each other really well. And in ways where we're the same, we complement each other really well. Like we both are always looking for to have fun. We're looking for the bright side of things. We're optimists. You know, that's really a nice compliment. And it's a nice compliment when, you know, he's really good at fixing things and I need fi things fixed. <laughs> Sorry, that's probably not that. <laughs> but, you know, well, or just in the ways like... Sometimes I'll, you know, I'm pushing maybe to try new foods or, you know, go to different kind of restaurants, something that he normally wouldn't care about. And, you know, compliments, it's like nice. It, it's something that sort of opens him up in a new way and gets him thinking in a new way, right? Maybe we visit somewhere that I haven't been and he has or vice versa. You know, it's sort of fun and we're opening each other up to new ideas. And, and those are wonderful ways to feel complimented by someone. Um but not completed. I don't have some big hole that Gary's filling. <laughs> that was so sexual, wasn't it? I don't have some big hole that Gary's filling up. That's pretty funny. Come on. Come on. Chuckle with me, damn it. Have some fun. So <laughs> maybe I do. <laughs> what I really meant was I, I don't have some big problem that I can't cure myself that Gary is filling in for, right? Okay. Now, come on. It's all right to think a little dirty sometimes. All right. Uh, so yeah, you're. I, I look. I got distracted by sex, and now I'm thinking about sex with Gary. Uh, okay. So <laughs> you're a whole, just the way you are. And when we look for someone else to make us happy or fill in our deficiencies, we're coming from that fear part of our brain again, and that's not love. It's not love for you, and it's not love for them. 
Okay. So that's that. And I've talked a lot about how it's not your partner's job to make you happy. It is not. <clears throat> it is your job to make you happy. That is an inside job. Don't give it to someone outside the company. Taking a sip of water. Okay. So, uh, all right. So in that same vein, other warning signs. I'm trying to think of some other warning signs. Okay. So in that same way, so there's other, let me give you some other warning signs of coming from fear and not love. Let me do that right here. Let me, um, um, okay. I got them. I got them. I'm there. Uh, I think the top one I see when we're, when people are coming from fear is, uh, with women especially is a rush due to your biological clock. There's some, you know, I'm, th- I'm 30, I'm 32, I'm 35. I have to find a guy. I've got to get married. I got to, you know, I have to have babies because I don't have much time left. You know, this anxiety about time and men have it sometimes too. A lot of men are like, I don't want to be a dad of a one-year-old when I'm 50. Like, you know, I'm, I'm approaching for them. It's definitely later. They'll, they'll say things like I'm approaching 40. And so now I want to first start, you know, finding someone, you know, they, they haven't been thinking <clears throat> about all this and they have different choices when it comes to it, but have rushing due to your biological clock is absolutely from fear. That is not you being in love with someone. Uh, you might think you love them, but if this is your main goal or your main reason, then you need to check yourself. Uh, worrying you'll end up alone. That That's where if you worry about that, like I'm going to end up alone, you know, that is coming from fear, not love. You don't consider it. I had a client with this recently. You don't consider it a successful life without having a romantic partner. There's some part of you that just feels like, well, that's the whole reason for life. You get married, you have a family, you have kids, then you have grandkids, then you, you know, like that's the whole reason. And you might've come from that, but it doesn't mean you're going to have that. And it doesn't mean that that means your life's empty without it at all. So as a matter of fact, I think some of the best ways to be in romance and to have a, a partner are when we feel really full and, and wonderful in our own lives. And this, again, this person comes in and is complimenting us and, you know, making our life richer and deeper and better, but it's already really rich and deep. It's not, it, we're not waiting for that person to do that. Um, <clears throat> so you can have a successful life without being partnered, without getting married, without having kids. And, you know, it's just about understanding that. And it doesn't mean that you wanted it that way or that you planned it that way, but sometimes it ends up that way. And at some point you have to realize that life is happening for you, not to you. So this isn't a punishment from God or anything else. And this is something you just have to look at like, oh, this is the way my life is turning out. And I'm going to go with this because this is where we are. Uh, the other warning sign I see is you're upset. How do I say this nicely? Okay. <laughs> you're upset because you already put so much time in to this relationship and you don't want to start over. So you're talking yourself into being in love with this person uh, because you're afraid of starting quote unquote over. You're exhausted. You know, dating is exhausting. You know, being in a relationship, putting in all this time and effort, and it just feels maybe like a failure or it feels like you're never going to find someone again. You and you, or you just are too tired. You don't feel like putting in time again. And I already have all my eggs in this basket, damn it. And I'm going to make it happen. That's coming from fear. That is fear, not love. And I'm not saying again, that you don't love this person. I'm saying in love, long-term relationship, you know, let's get married kind of stuff, or let's be in a long-term relationship <clears throat> at some point. If you, do you really love this person or are you with them out of fear mostly? And 
again, you can love and be out of fear at the same, you know, have both present, but which one is predominant? And if this is your number one reason, every time you get frustrated with this person, again, if you think of your feelings every day and you're mostly frustrated and you're mostly annoyed and you're mostly whatever, but the only reason you're not going is because you put in so much time, that is all fear, 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 fear. And that's not being in love with someone. I know. I'm sorry. I'm giving you some, I'm giving you some mama love here. This, this is it. I'm not saying you can't stay in the relationship. I'm not saying can't even get married and have kids. I'm just saying you're asking this question. Why, you know, am I really in love with someone? And I'm saying, no, you know, that's something else. And again, you might still love them, but this really in love. And frankly, what I wish for you, it's wonderful to be on the side where you're really excited about this person and feel inspired by them. And I love you. Of course, I want that for you. Of course, I don't want you to settle. Uh, so, oh, well, and that's one. There's one. You think you need to settle because your expectations are too high. I, I've heard this over and over. Like, well, you can't get everything in one person and blah, blah, blah. And I, okay, was a lot here, but that might be true that you are your expectations are too high, but it's about your standards, not your expectations. So uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. I know you're like, yeah, Abby, (laughs) I gotcha. So you need to focus on your top three standards because those are never too high. Those are never too high. Your top three. So. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I do a whole, again, I'll link to it in the show notes. I did two episodes on standards and expectations because what do I say all the time? I say you have to have high standards and low expectations. I'm going to say it again. You have to have high standards but low expectations. Most people, most of you listening have high expectations and low crappy standards. (laughs) You let people treat you all kinds of crappy ways, but then you're upset or disappointed that they're doing it. Because you're not keeping your boundary. You're making me crazy. I love you so much. And I just want to scream. It's not cool. So your expectations likely may be too high. That's true. But not your standards. So focus on those. You And I will also say this in this. So again, you can listen to those episodes. I have a whole worksheet on one of them on how to um, set your standards and, and, and your expectations and how to know which is which. And I have a whole wonderful free thing for that. So you got to love that. I'm, I'm totally taking care of you here. Uh, go back and listen to those. But in the meantime, I also want to say something about the pro-cons list thing, because I had a client come to me recently with a, she was uh, dating someone, and I actually had a man do this too. So, okay. Anyway, this per I'm thinking of this woman right now though. 
was it was dating someone they were pretty serious and she had a pro con she was like i can't decide i don't know she was asking questions much like marcella so she had made a pros and cons list here's the problem with that you can have 50 pros on the pro side but the one con you have cancels those out because your standards are the three that should be the throw away the pro and cons list and instead make a list of your top three standards and ask yourself is this person meeting those it, do I feel loved in these categories? That is what's going to help you. So get rid of the pro cons list, especially, and you know, really all over, it doesn't really work, but especially when we're talking about relationships, especially, but I'm going to say really in your other decisions too, get rid of, get rid of those, get rid of the pros and cons list. Okay. So that's number one, how to know if you're in love, if you're coming from love, not fear. All right. Number two is. Um, you can know if you're in love with someone really, sorry, my nose is so itchy. Okay. If, if they hit what I call what, what's called kind of the love, well, I call it the love trifecta. And there's a, uh, psychology professor, Robert Sternberg at Cornell university. And he, uh, and I don't know if he invented it or if he just talks about it. I've just read things that he's written. So now it's occurring to me. I don't know if he took it from somewhere else and he just studies it or what, but it's, uh, he calls it the triangular theory of love. And it basically assumes that there are three components to love. This is how you know if you're in love. Now, I have an argument with one of his pieces, so I'll, t- I'll talk about it. But I want, but I, I actually have a different definition for it, and then I believe it. So he talks about three pieces, intimacy, passion, and commitment. Okay? Intimacy, passion, and commitment. But again, I like this, but not the way they present it, passion as, as it's shown in this triangular theory, is really that sex love, I'm sorry, that sex and lust stage of the relationship, right? You know, having this passion for this person, you can't stop thinking about them, all that. And, you know, if I fall in love at 80 and don't want to have sex, is that, although I hope I do want to have sex at 80, uh, but does that mean I'm not in love because I don't feel physical passion for this person? You know, I don't think so. So I'm going to give you the three, but from my perspective, you know, okay. So, so again, passion. I like the idea of passion for someone, but in a broader sense. This is someone we're focused on in, a again, a love-based way. If I think about the fact that I have a passion for cooking, let's say, do you, do you love when I get an idea? I'm like, yeah, for cooking. And relate that to, my, to the feelings I have for my partner. I like it better because I have a true, right, passion for cooking. You hear me? I have a passion for food. So cooking's part of that. <laughs> I'll talk about food with anybody. I love talking about food. I'll talk about food all day. I love to eat it. I love to cook it. I love to shop for it. I love to go to restaurants. I love to talk to people about it. It's like food porn all day long, right? That's a passion for food. So I really shouldn't say for cooking. I have a passion for food. And so, but I can think about other things, believe it or not. I can have, you know, but I like it when it's there. It's really fun. And it always draws my attention. So And if I think of that with my partner, I like it. This is someone, you know, right, that I'm really interested in. I spend a good time thinking about them. I, you know, I I like to gain skills around it like you're doing right now. There's There's a passion for this person in general. You know, I have a passion with Gary in so many ways. I love how he's a dad. I love, you know, I love watching him uh, be a friend to people, uh, the, um, our goddaughter just got married. He's, you know, walking her down the aisle and cause her dad's been absent and Gary's been there. And, you know, I'm watching this and I'm feeling such a deep appreciation for this man who steps up so often, um, with the people 
that he cares about, but with other people too. You know, he served our country. He was in the Navy. You know, he he's someone who steps up. And and I have a passion for how he is around that. I really, I really just find it incredible. Um, he's he wants to always do the right thing. That's that's how he, you know, which means that you're kind to others, that you step up, that you step in, that you're loyal, you know, these are the things. So you can tell I'm passionate about him because the way I talk about him, passionate for that man. Yeah. And yeah, I love the sex. It's great. We have awesome sex. And <laughs> that's like a piece of that. We touch all the time. We love to touch. We love to physically be close. But there's that other piece that where I really feel that other kind of passion for him. Uh, the intimacy. So number two, right? There's passion and then there's intimacy. And that's the feeling people usually confuse us with sex. Intimacy is emotional closeness and connection to your partner. And obviously I think that's being a part of being in love. You feel emotionally connected to them. You feel close to them emotionally. And I think a lot of us, a lot of people don't feel emotionally close to their partners, uh, that they don't really know who they are, that they don't think they're being really honest, or that you feel like, because when we feel emotionally close, there's trust. And trust is the backbone of relationships. So that I, tr- you know, I'm not just talking about trust around cheating or money or something. I'm talking about the real trust, which is trust with my with my feelings. I trust you that I can share something and that you're going to be loving about it. That's huge. Um, and then the third, number three, is commitment. And again, that doesn't mean getting married, but commitment speaks to the to a decision. It's a decision you make to love each other and to commit to staying together. It's a commitment to approach life as a team. You know, I talk about this. It's a partnership. It's knowing that this person, no matter what, has your back. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think that's the only reason to get married or to be in a long-term relationship. If you don't feel at the end of the day, like this is the person who has your back no matter what, when the going, when the chips get down, this person's there, then I don't, I don't know why we're there. I, I'm not sure what we're doing for me. I, I just, I don't. You know, I, I expect this in my friends, you know, my friendships, that these people have my back, that they're going to be there for me. I mean, my my deep friendships. Like, obviously, I have a lot of, I'm friendly with a lot of people. I don't expect them to drop everything if I'm in the hospital and come running to my bedside, right? But these other people, I do. And so, and that's important. That's an important thing to know and to have. So that's the commitment. I'm committed to this person. Um, again, I think of this in my friendships too. If that person needs me, I'm going to be there. Okay. Uh, number three. So that those are those. That's, so now we did the love triangle. We did the love, not fear. And the third way you know you're in love with someone is, and really that you really love them, is really feeling empathy I, for them. You feel compassion. You care how they're doing. So how else do I say that? You're, you're mindful of your partner's emotional climate. I love that. I read that somewhere about emotional climate. I like those two words together. What makes them happy? I know what makes Gary happy, and I really know what makes him upset. You know, I know what makes him anxious. I care about those things. I'm not codependent. I don't want you to be codependent about it and be up all night. Oh, no, no. Gary's upset. Oh, no. That's not what we're doing. Uh, uh, uh-uh. That's that's fear-based. Now we're into the insecure attachment. Now we're into anxious attachment. We don't want to be there. Uh, So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about caring 
you want to care about what your partner feels like and is thinking. You don't want to worry about what they feel like and are thinking. There's there's your difference. You care, you don't worry. Worry is codependent. Worry is fear-based. Care is love-based. Always, of course. It's a beautiful word. So I do care. So for example, you know, Gary's love language is um, the acts of service. You can write. It's not hard to figure out. <laughs> You're in the military for years. Everything I just said about him, I, everyone out there could guess if you've ever done those love language, the love language quiz, uh, you know, right? Acts of service. Oh yeah, that's scary. So for me, I care that he cares about that stuff. So for him, you know, if I say I'm going to do something, I have to do it. Uh, if I go out of my way to pick up something for him, or you know, if I think of him and I buy something that I know he'll like or whatever, um, you know, for not for just for his birthday, but for anything, although he loves his birthday. He's the cutest thing. He, this man loves his birthday. So great. I don't like my birthday. I don't need to spend any time on my birthday, but he likes it. So I make sure I have a lot of gifts. I make sure I plan special things, you know, because it's important to him because I care about his emotional climate. Now, if I was, um, sick in the hospital right before his birthday, oh, well, (laughs) <laughs> probably not getting any gifts, my friend. You know what I mean? So I, I wouldn't be in the hospital going, oh my God, it's his birthday. Someone has to do something. We have to plan it. Let me make sure. I wouldn't be doing that because that's crazy town, crazy town. So again, there's this difference between codependency and fear-based and worry and connection and love and empathy and compassion and care. So you want to support them in feeling safe and satisfied. You don't want to be the one, you know, who makes them feel safe and satisfied. You can't do that anyway. That's their job, but we can support them in that. So uh, I can, you know, by doing these things that Gary likes, I can support him doing that. I can ask him questions. How you doing? (laughs) Tell me more about what you're upset about, whatever, to get there, to help him feel this way. But I can't make him feel this way. Again, those are the differences there. And that's the difference. And I did a whole thing on compassion. I did a whole thing, a whole episode on empathy. That one really you should be listening to. If you haven't yet, that is a real key in all relationships. So uh, you can go deep there. All right. So those are the three. And now before we close, I just want to say a word about soulmates because I get asked a lot about soulmates and being in love. I'm gonna take another sip of water because this is so big. And what do I think about that? Well, because people are like, well, you're so in love with Gary and he's so great. I'm like, yeah, but I don't think he's my soulmate, okay? I think the notion of soulmates has really, I'm gonna swear, has really fucked people up (laughs) when it comes to love. You know, I don't swear often. I I do it when it's important, and it's important to say it now. The idea of having a soulmate comes from scarcity. That is a fear-based brain. It comes from this idea that there's one person out there for you, and if you you blow it, you're screwed. That's it. They're a unicorn. There's this one person. This notion keeps people in unhealthy relationships. It has them lower their standards. It creates self-doubt. It creates regret. It makes me nuts. As I would say as a relationship guide, it's one of the things that makes me just want to scream and run naked through the woods is the soulmate thing. It People just get so screwed up. I got this one, oh, I blew it with this person. If, you're, if you had someone you were deeply in love with and it didn't work and you're not with them anymore, and I don't even care what you did. I don't care if you cheated. I don't care what happened. You're not supposed to be with them. <laughs> 
Maybe it was your subconscious creating you cheating because you knew they were wrong for you in some way. I don't know, but it, it happened for a reason. Life is happening for you, not to you. Let it go. This was not the only person. We have many soulmates in our lives, right? I, but when we talk about self-doubt, regret, anxiety, scarcity, these, these words have nothing to do with love. Nothing to do with love. Love is expansive. It's open. It's willing. It's eager. It's thoughtful. It's fun. It's kind. It's gentle. Let, ooh, I'm on a, I'm on a soapbox, aren't I? I'm preaching. Preach, Abby. Preach. Sorry, Mike got a little carried away there. <laughs> Love-based relationships are built on feelings of cooperation, compassion, and connection. And when we start getting worried that we've missed the boat or anxious that we're not trying hard enough to keep our partner, those aren't love-based thoughts or feelings. And they've got no room, no place in your relationship. There isn't one perfect person out there for you. You're not missing a piece of yourself without them. Again, I said it before, you're not a half person waiting for the other 50%. This idea that you're a lock and they're the key that will open you up and that you're the hand and they're the glove. You know, again, these are concepts grounded in friggin' fear and it's bullshit. So let it go. They, they, they say you're not enough on your own or that you're not complete unless you're in a long-term, you know, romantic relationship. And these are ideas grounded. They're in oppression, they're in misogyny, fear. And again, they have no place in a love relationship. So, but I'm not saying you can't have a soulmate. I know you're about to like get off the podcast. And if you got off too early, you're sending me hate mail right now without listening all the way through. I, I'm not saying you can't have a soulmate. I'm saying you're going about it all wrong. You don't find a soulmate. You create a soulmate relationship together. And I'm going to say it again. Oh, that was good, Abby. That was some bumper sticker shit right there. That was like, yeah. (laughs) I should get a t-shirt with that. I do have merchandise on the website, but it doesn't say that. Um, Maybe I'll add it. If you want to support me, by the way, go on over to the website, buy some merchandise, help support the podcast. Okay. Because it's cool and it's great. You can be reminded in wonderful ways of how much love you have in your life. All right. Uh, (laughs) You don't find a soulmate. You create a soulmate relationship together. It is the truth. I think you can have many soulmates. It's all about what you create with another person. And as we grow and as we change, we create different things. We're capable of different things. What I was capable of in a love relationship when I was 25 and what I'm capable now in a love relationship in my late 50s is so different. I'm so much better at it. Of course I am because it's a skill like anything else. Loving people is a skill and I've gotten better at it over time. So instead of going in expecting or or needing them to be a certain way, which is gonna set you up for disappointment eventually, you know, go with an open heart. Go with a goal of co-creating your relationship. I'm going to offer you this. I'm going to end with this. Instead of thinking about what you'd like in a soulmate, think about who you'd like to be in a soulmate relationship. Here's my questions that I talked about earlier, okay? Here we go. I got to remember them now. <laughs> How do you want to show up? It's a good one. How do you treat your partner? What thoughts do you think about your partner? Are you calm and laughing every day? Do you feel confident and connected? How do you speak to your partner? 
How do you resolve disagreements? How do you know you're loved and cared for? And how do you show that yourself? How do you think about yourself each day in this relationships? In this relationships, in this relationship, sorry. Oh, you might be in a throuple. That's okay. Right? How, how do you do that? And how are you leading to love every day? These are how you create a soulmate relationship. And these are how you put your part in. Your soulmate relationship is something you co-create not once, but every single day. Right? Every single day. And I have soulmate relationships with friends. You know, I've talked about, you know, my wife, Rhonda, you know, uh, she's a soulmate. I have other friends too, soulmates, you know, deepening all of our relationships, showing up as whole loving humans and loving ourselves, deepening our relationships with ourselves. That's how we create our soulmates. That's how we do that. No question. The world is. It's abundant with love and deep connection. You know, start with you and and you're going to find that your soulmates are everywhere. What a nice way to end. <laughs> what a what a great way to go out. I should just drop the mic here and not keep talking, but you know me, I can't shut up. Uh, well, I can't shut up. So that's it. If you like this episode and you found it helpful, please share it with someone. That would be amazing. Uh, if you liked it, I'd also really appreciate if you like the podcast, you know, leave a review. You can rate it, rate, do a rating on Spotify, which is really helpful. You can leave a review on Apple, um, you know, Pandora, wherever you download uh, would be amazing. Remember to come over to the website for all the links and things I told you about that you can then uh, get and learn more and get your learn on in a very directed way. And Remember that I love you so, so much. I know I get um, <laughs> I get a little crazy sometimes on my soapbox, but it is my passion for you. I have passion for you. And I know, I'm positive, I'm sure that when you practice these tools, because I've done it with thousands of people and tens of thousands, gosh, and I've done it in my own life you will be happier. You will find all the things you're looking for. And I want that for you so bad, so much, so bad. It's so wonderful to have and you deserve it. You should have it. So slow down, be with yourself, love yourself. And then you'll really be working on loving other people. Okay. That is it. Have a wonderful week full of joy and love. And remember, I love you so, so much. And I see you for really who you are. And that's a lovable thing. It's a lovable person. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you. And I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything, you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. 
That book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.